From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. Jeff Siddiqui is with me. When did we first meet? I think it was 2001, right? You have a brilliant memory. I wish I had some of that. I think we met at a panel because back then everybody wanted to know what a Muslim was and uh, what you thought, and uh, you're pretty a high profile, and so we've we've talked politics on and off ever since, and you run a blog called Pen Jihad, where you you uh, share your thoughts with people. But this is not about uh, Islam or about politics. I got a note from you a few weeks back that you had gone through a heart transplant, which shocked me because I've always <laughs> known you to be very <laughs> energetic, healthy, uh, fearless, all the rest. But I thought it would be interesting for people to hear the story of what that is like. And this just hits you all of a sudden, one day you're healthy, and then suddenly, bam, it hits you? Literally that morning I was in peak performance, that evening I was in peak performance, and that night I was being resuscitated by 911. Wow, it was tachycardia. Your house just started racing like crazy. My heart started racing at two hundred over 260 beats a minute, and of course that meant it wasn't doing anything, and right. so neither was I. Yeah, and so no warning, no nothing. But they mm. got you in time, and they gave you the paddles. And Well, this was a very interesting experience. They uh, didn't usually they give you an... I, I've become quite an expert at the heart <laughs> issues, <laughs> involuntarily, I might add. Uh, they usually give you a shot before they uh, give you the, the uh-huh. defibrillator. Like and adrenaline sh- or something? Well, the shot kind of takes you down under... Uh-huh. just for about a minute or so, and then they give you the defibrillator, and you get the shock, but you yeah. don't notice it. Yeah. Well, in this case, I had already passed the threshold where they have time to give a shot. And I remember him saying, I don't have time, and the next thing I knew is like I'd been grabbed and hurled at the side of a concrete wall at 20 miles an hour. Wow. Man, it was the biggest kick I've ever imagined. There's nothing you can imagine that compares with it. Yeah. So like being tased, I guess, huh? Oh, God, nothing. <laughs> I, I would take a taser to that <laughs> any day. <laughs> yes. Well, it saved your life, though, huh? Oh, yeah, it did. Um, so then at what point did you realize you would have to have a, a, a total heart transplant? Well, they went. They have a process. They take you through step by step. And initially they tried pacemaker, then a pacemaker zapper. Or which which kind of defibrillates you automatically? Automatically. So so you might get a, a suddenly feel a shock out of nowhere. No, you 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 kind of see the tachycardia coming. Mm-hmm. The heart is racing, and then you say, "Oh my God, here it comes!" And sometimes the pacemaker paces it out, so you've sweated, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't pace you out, and you've sweated, and then you get this mule kick, which is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quite. So quite. how many years did you go through that? About a little over three years. Did you ever get used to it? Oh, God, no. You no. never get used to it. Mm. In fact, with this uh, um, the the zapper pacemaker, which gave me quite a number of uh, hits, uh, I didn't know, and they didn't tell me, yeah. that you can get what is called PTSD. Uh, because sure. because it's unpredictable, it comes out of the blue and it hits you pretty hard, and so I, I started getting shocks when I was sleeping and I wake up knowing that I'd been shocked with all the symptoms and everything. Yeah. But in reality, there was no shock. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> really interesting. 
So at what point did the doctors decide, uh, Jeff, we have to get you a new heart? Well, after all the paces, the heart was at a point where the performance was very, very poor. I couldn't walk 20, 30 feet without needing to sit down. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was pretty, pretty severe. And they said, okay, now you're at, we've done, it's, it's, it's decided at a national level. It's not decided by your local doctor. They have a UNOS, uh, UNOS uh, website Mm -hmm. where they have all the criteria and they have a list of all the people, no names, just people by region who are on the list for transplants and where they are in seniority and everything. And uh, in order to get on the transplant list, you have to go through certain processes, certain treatments, certain steps before you qualify for a a heart transplant. And you had you were presented with four hearts, or you had the opportunity for four different hearts. Once I got on the list, I had two calls for heart transplant, and by the time uh, they they started prepping me, the surgeon said, "No, these two hearts are." Each time, the surgeon said, "Nope, this heart does not match mm-hmm. my criteria for." Uh, so they had to be rejected. They were rejected. Yes. Third one. The third one, uh, I got a call. Uh, they said it's a, what they call a high-risk heart, which means it's coming from somebody who was in a high-risk uh, uh, lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, a sex worker or, a, or a, um, oh. a drug addict or something like that, who could, or a prisoner or somebody, who could in theory have been carrying uh, hep A, Hep C, or in which or, case you would have been carrying it too. Then. Well, not necessarily. They, they, this third one, they said we've checked it right down to the DNA. Mm-hmm. It has no uh, traces of any disease at all. So then my next question was, well, is there a dormancy period during which it could be there, but you wouldn't have seen it? Yeah, and they said yes, it is, but. Uh, it's minuscule. It's uh, not worth even talking about. It's never happened or something. Mm-hmm. I said, but is it there? Mm-hmm. And they said, yes. So you said no. I said no, yes. And I, you finally got one that was okay. The next day. The next day. Yeah, the next day they came and they said, here it is. So how do they prep you for a heart transplant? What do they tell you? Well, not much. They, I mean, there's mentally speaking, they just, you know, you want the heart? (laughs) And what do you say? Well, um, no. Um, I said no, but that was for consideration of someone else, my wife, not for mine. Um, But uh, they call you and that call, you have to have your phone on your person all the time. Mm -hmm. And they can call you at any time, and they they did. And then um, there you are. So they they wheeled you in, and I assume you have to sign. I mean, is the operation succeed or die? Is that what it is, basically? They, I mean, they can't. Um, if if for some reason the new heart doesn't start beating, they can't put your old one back, can they? <laughs> no, the old one is already dog food by that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they 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 check the heart, the new heart, very rigorously before. They even open you up. Uh-huh. So uh, the the chances of 
it not working once they put it in are are literally uh, um, like being hit from by a meteorite. It just oh well, that's pretty good. Then. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they they call they called me in. The prep takes about six hours or so. It's astonishingly long. And by the time the prep is done, you're the most examined person on earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, right down to your blood cells. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I went in. Of course, I was not aware of what's going on. And it's about an eight or ten hour uh, surgery. You said a prayer before I, going in. What I was did. it? What was it? Well, um, I don't remember exactly now, but essentially it was... Uh, Oh God! If um, uh, this, is, this is starting to uh, get closer to to my emotions, but uh, essentially I said, uh, if it's your will that I I die, then I'm at peace with it. But if I'm to survive, help me, uh, help someone else as well. And how did you prepare your family? How did they take it? Well, as I've said many times to people, I didn't suffer. I literally don't didn't suffer. Physically, a few bumps and hiccups here and there. It's my family that really suffered. Yeah. They they went through far more by ma- orders of magnitude than I ever could have. Because in to my wife, I died two or three times. Yeah. Um, to me, you know, it was just, a few zaps here and there, and yeah, they're not good, and you know, but but the real, the real uh, um, uh, pain and real suffering and the real uh, uh, fear was being carried by my family, by my wife, by my children, who didn't know from day to day, literally, whether I would be alive or dead. You planned your funeral. <laughs> yes, I did. Because uh, uh, when you get to that stage, it becomes a very real possibility. Yeah. Well, how what did that feel like? I mean, I know, I know, I know that's actually kind of a standard thing with people now as they get older. But uh, how old are you now? I am sixty-seven. So you were exactly the same age, uh, and so I I consider that to be way too early to be planning a funeral, and yet you had to sit down and do it. Huh? Well, for me, it was uh, it was literally a reality that could happen. Yeah. So, if I didn't plan things, uh, uh, it would be leaving everything to my wife, and and I didn't want her with that additional burden. So, I I kind of uh, made a rough plan of what to do with uh, some of my effects, and then I had an idea about my funeral. I didn't want it to be one of those usual things like, oh, he was a great guy, and now let's bury him. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you want them to just expose all your warts as well? <laughs> well, I am, as you know, I'm Muslim, and it would have been a, traditionally a Muslim funeral, and I didn't just want to leave it at that. Well, I, you invited a rabbi. I did, I, I want, and, and a pastor. I wanted it to... I wanted to send a message telling people we come from the same God and we go back to the same God. And we have the same message essentially from uh, the same voice through different people. And for us to think we're different is stupid. Mm-hmm. 
and and so I invited a, a, a rabbi who's a friend of mine and a pastor who's a friend of mine and an imam who's a friend of mine. Actually, two imams were friends of mine, one conservative and one not. And uh, um, I wanted them to each spend three to five minutes to talk, which is not traditional in Islam. You just say the prayer and and, and you're done with it. But I wanted them to do that and send a message of a universal message rather than a, a very uh, uh, sectarian message. And that was going to be my last goodbye. Mm. And they were all okay with that? Oh, yeah. I, I asked them and they all said yes and they uh, you know they were they said they'd be honored but not happy and <laughs> yeah. well god must have been pleased with your plan cuz you decided to bring you back so or he that, wasn't ready to take me or, back or, or, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so what was that like when you when you woke how how long were you unconscious well for me i closed my eyes and i opened them half a second later and i was done yeah uh, but in reality it was in reality it was about uh two and a half days two and a half days because wow for 10 hours I was under being you know cut and pasted and then for 2 days they put me under kept me under because I wasn't quite ready to pick up yeah well your heart wasn't beating on its own apparently. uh I wasn't breathing on my own breathing on your own yeah, yeah. so um they kind of kept me under um then after that they pulled it out and pulled the tube out of my throat and I started croaking and, and huh. uh, well, croaking in a in a voice way, yes, not croaking right. in. The <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, that that was for me. That was just close my. Did eyes you notice I, immediately that you felt better? Oh gosh, no, 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 no. It took a while. It yeah. took it took quite a while because. Uh, How long ago was it now? It was in August. So August, yeah. So it wasn't that long ago. Well, not too long. No. I mean, you you walked in under your own power today. Oh, I feel my doctors have cleared me for everything. Really? The only problem now is my immune system is uh, kept at a very suppressed right. level. So you don't reject the heart. Uh, right. Yeah. And so it will remain moderately suppressed for the rest of my life. But right now it's very suppressed. Ah. So How many pills do you have to take? Oh, about... Uh, 40 or so? 40? A day? A day? Yeah. All at once? Or no, paste, no. Spread it about over? Um, seven, I forget, 17 to 20 in the morning and about uh, 15 to 17 in the in, at night. How do you keep them straight? Oh, God. It's a, it's a real job. You have a spreadsheet or something? Uh, well, no. They, they give you a, a little tablet pill. dispenser yeah, right. with each day and four sections for each day. Like what happens if you miss one? Depends on which one you miss. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so I guess it's good you have your funeral plans current then, huh? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and this is the rest of your life? Uh, no. Uh, they will taper down to maybe, I don't know, about 15, oh. 20 or something like that. Uh, or maybe 30. I can't remember. Well, right. Now I have to ask you the the uh, practical question: Who paid for all this, ah. and and what does it cost? Oh, oh. It depends when 
and what do you mean by it? <laughs> this whole procedure. I mean, the, uh, let's the, just take the operation from, oh, from just, start to finish. Just the transplant itself. I haven't received the last of the bills, but I'm pretty sure it's up there around half a million or so. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. Isn't that enough to give you another episode of PTSD when you see something like that? Well, <laughs> this episode started three, four years ago now. And the first time we received a bill for one of their things, it was like uh, $250,000. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm going to tell you, if people in this country, if they're not insured, uh, uh, voluntarily not insured, I think there's something wrong with their brain. Yeah. In this country, you cannot afford to not be insured. Well, of course, they, we go to a different subject of we shouldn't need insurance. The the right. uh, there should be a single payer system, but we're not that enlightened for a. Well, if there was a single payer system, how, maybe you would be dead because you wouldn't. You'd be in a long line. No? Not necessarily. No. I know friends in Canada who have been severely sick, who've had uh, uh, cancer. You know, they triage. Mm-hmm. I was in Britain, and they triage. I broke uh, uh, my foot. Uh, and and I was seen immediately. They don't say, "Well, get in line, and in two weeks we'll yeah. come and see you." It's if if you have uh, you know something that that they feel is not urgent, they'll keep you waiting. But uh, we have, and actually, the finest medical system in the world, but it's not accessible. <laughs> so uh, you have insurance. How you, much? So how much did you have to end up paying? Relatively speaking, next to nothing. Really? Yeah. Uh, the the uh, $250,000 bill, um, our share was $250. Whoa. Yeah. And and when of the half million dollar bill for the operation itself? Uh, it'll probably be about a, a couple of 3000 But the thing is, if in my case I meet my deductible, you know, at the start of well, the yeah, year, of course, <laughs> without a problem. So once yeah. you meet your deductible, and they cover the 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 fifty pills as well. Yes, and yeah, I mean there's a there's a copay in there, mm-hmm. um, but 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 you're not going to be bankrupted yeah. by this. No, I thank my wife for that, who had the the smarts when I got into the Medicare age. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, the Medicare, and then you're offered those extra uh, Medicare plan A, plan Mm -hmm. B. And she said, you're taking the gold plan, everything with it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her thinking, you know, why do you want to waste that money? (laughs) (laughs) And she put me on the gold plan, which covers uh, dental and and eyes. Mm -hmm. And the gold plan paid off. I guess so. Yeah. And I, I... I hear people say I don't need insurance, and I'm telling. Oh, very interesting. When I was in in the intensive care after my surgery, I asked one of the nurses. I said, uh, "What is the age span of people you who come here with these heart transplant problems?" And she said, "Well, we see them in their teens, and we see them in their seventies. Could happen any time. It so could happen any because again, you thought you were." perfectly healthy you had no early warning that this was a problem none at all yeah. and and we, uh, we we've heard stories of of athletes just dropping dead in the in yeah. the field so yeah yeah, yeah. It, it can literally and and even if those things don't happen people can have accidents 
Oh, yeah. I I know people (laughs) who have had very, very serious life-changing accidents. Health insurance in this country is not an option. It really isn't. Yeah. Now, how did it affect your career? Because your your career was not writing your pen jihad blog. You sell (laughs) real estate, right? Well, yes, I'm a real estate broker, and uh, for some... For for a limited period, it was it was zero. Yeah, I took on my boss as my partner, so if someone called, I would work with them as far as online work and things. But my partner would show them the property or whatever. Uh, and uh, there were sadly uh, a couple of three people who decided that if I wasn't physically able, I was also mentally disabled. Huh? And this was the first time I actually understood what some disabled people might go through. I'm not saying I I was in their shoes, but not by a long shot. Yeah. But I understood how the mentality of those who are able uh, uh, is is uh, or affects the people who are physically disabled. So they figured since you had a, a serious illness, mm-hmm. you could not do your job with the same kind of what mental acuity that yes. you could before huh? yes yes huh? where where actually there were situations where my physical being was not necessary yeah but um, so uh, on balance this was a um, a learning experience i suppose yes and uh i guess reassuring in some ways but on balance it would be better if you hadn't gone through it at all right well that would have been preferable of yeah. course yeah but uh it having gone through it, I, I'll tell you some interesting things. I didn't feel any pain. Hmm. Um, in in one of my bypass uh, uh, surgeries in within the last few years, um, they gave me like about thirty forty. Um, what are those things called? Uh, um, what the pain pills? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oxycontin? Oxycontin. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. you know, when you get old, you need somebody to fill in <laughs> words. <laughs> We're the but, same age, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're young. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I never needed them. I didn't even need an aspirin. And mm. this time after my surgery, uh, I didn't need anything. I really didn't. Mm. Not even, I literally didn't even need an, an aspirin. That's great. And uh, I had to take a lot of precautions. And believe me, something as simple as lying in bed and wanting to turn your body in the in bed without using your arms at all mm-hmm. is very, very difficult. Trust me. Try it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and you will see. Just fold your arms in front of your chest yeah. and then see if you can... Uh, and that's what they told you, just to Oh, yeah. You, avoid. You can't, because you can't put force on your arm. I was told I couldn't put more than five pounds of force on each arm. Wow. And if you do, you could you could shift the connection, the, the joint that is being repaired in your, in right, your right. sternum. Because they have to saw you open. Yeah. And, and so that would be really bad news if, yeah. if that broke again. Yeah. And so... Uh, getting out of bed without using your arms, getting even rolling around in bed, uh, those are things that we do routinely, and they are very difficult to yeah. do. So has this changed you in some way? 
I am extremely grateful and I call blessings on the on the person who decided that his organs should be donated and whose heart I received. I'm very grateful and I really call on God to bless his soul and on his family to have peace and comfort. Do you get to meet the family ever? Well, for the first year I'm not nobody's allowed to connect. Uh-huh. Then at the end of the year you can send a letter through Yunus to the other party on either side. Mm-hmm. The other party can say, I don't want the letter, or they can take the letter and not respond to it, or they can respond to it. If they respond to it, uh, then you have a connection. Then you can actually meet. Before that, uh, I am not, I'm not uh, told the gender, the age, or even the location from where the heart came. All I know is it was a, a young person. So is that something you're going to do? do you want yes, to, do you absolutely. Want to know? Absolutely. I, I want to meet with them. Um, <laughs> I want to see also, I'm curious, to see if my vision uh, matches the reality. What, I, you have a vision? I, I had this flash vision, which, which is really startling. Um, when they pulled the tube out and I woke up, at that moment... I had this literally a flash of three pictures in my mind, one after another. And there were these two women who were in the deepest of of uh, sorrows, of agony, crying their literally hearts and eyes out. And in between them was this person lying, and I couldn't see what the gender of that person was, but his or her eyes was, were closed. And I saw three different pictures of the same scene. And I could see their clothes. I could see that one had, uh, one woman had a, a, a violet purple dress. The other had a brilliant carmine dress. And this was in a room with some things hanging from the ceiling. It was a house, not a, a hospital. And it just flashed. And, and I opened my eyes and and. The vision disappeared, and I never saw it again. And and I told it, mentioned it to my to the nurse, and she said, "Well, you've had a lot of drugs." <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds to me like you think this was a scene from the life of the person whose heart you have. I do believe a little bit in the supernatural, uh-huh. and so it is. It, it, there is a possibility. Yes. Well, if you decide to connect, and you have a meeting. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't mind joining me in the studio at some point. Let me know. I will do that, and uh, I will never forget their faces. Hmm. Really, really, I will never forget those faces. So, it will be very, very interesting to uh, see if if reality matches uh, hallucination. Yeah. Well, Jeff, congratulations on being alive. Thank you. It couldn't happen to a better person. Well, I, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff Siddiqui. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part 
that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in. 